A roller coaster up and down season for the Mountaineer football team continued Saturday night in Norman, Oklahoma. The WVU defense struggled all night long as Dylan Gabriel and the Oklahoma offense had a record-setting night and most likely knocked the Mountaineers out of the Big 12 title game race. You are listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Ryan Decker and Kevin Redfern here with you in our Morgantown studios as we try to make some sense of the 10th game of the year for the Mountaineers. Kevin, really ever since coming into the Big 12, WVU has struggled against Oklahoma, but this was a performance that Neil Brown and his team, I think, will certainly be hoping to forget very quickly moving forward here to the last two games of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And Oklahoma has this reputation of being one of the powerhouses in the Big 12, but like Neil Brown said after the game, in their last two meetings, which is really Brown and then the new era of Oklahoma football with Brent Venables, the point differential was zero. They're tied after two games. So uh, all signs pointed, except if you look at Las Vegas, towards another one of those games tonight. Uh, but it was about as far away from that as you could possibly imagine. Yeah, the last two contests between these two teams came down to a game-winning field goal. You go back to the game that was in Norman, which was really just one or two mistakes by West Virginia, costing them in the last trip to Norman. Then obviously Garrett Green and company getting the win last year here in Morgantown. So you thought that... Maybe you were in in store for another really good showdown between these two teams, but and we'll get into this in a little bit. I kind of said coming in, though, that if West Virginia gets into a high-scoring game, that bodes so much better for Oklahoma, and that ended up panning out. We'll get into those numbers here in a little bit. But quick recap of the game in case you missed this one or in case you looked away after this one got out of hand. West Virginia scores first on a, on a nice-looking drive. Eight plays, 75 yards. C.J. Donaldson finishes it off with a 13-yard touchdown run, but it was all Oklahoma from there. The Sooners score on each of their first five drives of the game, scored at least two touchdowns in all four quarters. Dylan Gabriel accounted for eight total touchdowns, five passing, three rushing. That's an Oklahoma single-game record. Of course, Oklahoma has been one of the premier programs since about the beginning of college football, so that's an impressive feat by Dylan Gabriel. And then the Sooners had nearly 650 yards of total offense, 59-20 to 20 the final score. Kevin, simply... WVU had no answer for Dylan Gabriel, and then offensively, West Virginia could just never get going. Yeah, I mean, and Gabriel spread the wealth, too. I mean, three of Oklahoma's skill position players, Gavin Sawchuk, Nick Anderson, and then Drake Stoops, who I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about, each of those players tallied over 115 yards in their respective position. That's crazy. That, that's three players consistently winning their one-on-one battles with WVU defensive backs and linebackers. So, I mean, it was all game long and pretty much every drive. But on the offensive end for WVU, maybe for the first time all year, or at least for the first time since the Penn State game, they just got dominated at the line of scrimmage, both on offense and defense. Uh, we hear so much about this offensive line. They failed to punch it in from the one-yard line on three consecutive plays. Uh, rushing yards, 176. That total looks a little bit better than it is, only 4.3 yards per carry. Uh, it, and then, of course, I mean, if you're watching eye test-wise, they were just getting manhandled. So I, I think a lot of their problems come back to the line of scrimmage, but they really manifest manifested themselves in those one-on-one matchups between skill players, defensive backs. A complete a complete reversal from what we saw last week out of WVU, where last week against BYU, West Virginia dominated offensively, certainly dominated defensively, and for the most part did well in special teams. I know there was a couple areas after that game Neil Brown wasn't pleased with, with his special teams unit, but th- this game tonight against Oklahoma, 
as you just mentioned, defensively, Oklahoma, well, offensively against WVU's defense, Oklahoma was doing whatever it wanted to do. Defensively, Oklahoma was able to shut down West Virginia in a couple key areas, and pretty much whenever the moment got to the point where you kind of say, okay, if West Virginia scores here, it's maybe a two-possession game, or maybe they get it to within 10. There was a couple chances where a score and a score later, you're thinking, okay, this is a, this is one possession game maybe. Oklahoma never allowed that to happen. And we'll talk about one key point here in just a second where that could have happened and momentum could have shifted, but West Virginia just never got there. You mentioned the running stat. C.J. Donaldson leads the way on the ground for West Virginia with 79 yards, but he uh, did not finish this game uh, due to injury there that, that he suffered in the third quarter. Hopefully that that's not serious. I don't think we got a true update from Neil Brown on that after the game, but C.J. Donaldson leads the way on, on, on the ground and through the air for West Virginia. I mean, really, Garrett Green, a subpar performance, only 10 of 27 passing, 154 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. At times, he was able to go deep to Devin Carter and Traylon Ray, but missed a lot of those opportunities. Yeah, he he hit on those plays about once of for every three or four misses he had on the yeah. deep ball, and and the West Virginia's completion percentage on deep balls was very similar to what it is on intermediate and short throws coming into this game. So Neil Brown said they were going to air the ball out, and they did. But kudos to the Oklahoma secondary. I mean, they were pretty sticky on Devin Carter, Traylon Ray, Cole Taylor outside of his short yardage touchdown. I mean, we didn't even see much from him. The the passing game from the decision-making to the execution to simply winning 50-50 balls, uh, they didn't really do any of those three things, and, and that's why you see one of Green's poor performances of the year. So, Kevin, I think in a blowout like this, I'm not sure if there's really one key turning point that you can look at, but I think one thing you can point to as the first Green Mortgage turning point of the game was Garrett was WVU, I should say, getting shut out on the goal line with two minutes to go in the second quarter. It was 31-7 at that point, Oklahoma, but that, for all intents and purposes, took WVU out of the ballgame, I think, in all likelihood. So that was the first green mortgage turning point of the game. First green mortgage, your home is the heart of what we do. When we come back here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast, you'll hear from the head coach himself, Neil Brown, right here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Searching for a mortgage lender that's 100% local, personal, and focused on home loans? First Green Mortgage has been serving West Virginia for more than 35 years, and they can assist you with every step of your home ownership journey. Visit them in Bridgeport or Morgantown or at fgm.bank. Disappointed to say the least. Um, Didn't see that coming. We practiced well. Uh, You know, last two years against Oklahoma, the combined score been tied. And, uh, you know, that didn't resemble anything the – that, that football in all three phases didn't resemble anything that we put on tape this year. And uh, credit Oklahoma, they beat us soundly. Brent had those guys uh, ready to go after the two losses. And uh, uh, home crowd was into it. Um, and, and they played with, with a lot more energy and a lot more execution than we did. Um, uh, offensively, if you look at it, uh, Garrett really struggled after that first drive in the, in the first and second quarter. Uh, didn't play like himself. Um, they beat us up front, you know, especially I thought during that first – after our first initial drive there in the first, second quarter where the game got away from us a little bit, they got after us up front. That's really the first time it's it's been done all year. Um, I thought we got in on first down, down on the goal line. thought we got in on second down. Um, and that's not a knock on officiating. But here we are. We're playing a, a national TV game. We don't have a goal line camera. Not one single goal line shot, whether the ball got over or not. 
um, which is, is is amazing to me. Um, I don't think we win the game, but it's a hell of a lot more interesting. But I really feel strongly that we got in on uh, on first down for sure. You know, second down, it'd been nice to have a shot at it. We didn't have any video of it, so they couldn't they couldn't overturn it in the rock. They couldn't overturn it here because there's no video of it, which I, I don't know how that happens. Um, and then offensively, you know, we're, we can't be any any quality teams if our pass game is in the shape it was tonight. Um, it probably is bad as stats passing as I've ever been associated with. Um, we had drops, we missed reads, we missed throws. Um, we got hit more tonight than we have. Um, and then our third our third down execution just wasn't good enough. Uh, defensively, they pretty much did what they wanted to. Um, you know, if you look at it, basically 10 of, 10 of 14 on end of possessions down, we couldn't get off the field. Um, they exposed us in coverage. Um, you know, they uh, – Took advantage of matchups. They they went after they went after some people tonight. We didn't fit the run, especially early. Um, we didn't fit the run very well. And like I said, couldn't get off the field. And so um, disappointed. Uh, I can promise you this: that won't be the that won't be how we finish. You know, we've been uh, nine games where we played football at a pretty high level. Even the games we lost, Penn State, competitive one score game going to the fourth quarter, lose on a hail mary, and then up in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma State. And all that, we played pretty sound football. Looked like a well-coached unit and, and played and competed. And uh, I don't want to get into it till I watch the tape, but we didn't coach good enough. We didn't execute good enough. And that didn't resemble anything that, that the 2023 Mountaineers have been. And uh, to say that, that I'm disappointed would be uh, an understatement at the, at the least. Um, quite frankly, I'm pissed and, and, and nearly embarrassed by what we put on the tape tonight. Ryan Decker and Kevin Redfern here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast recapping WVU's 59-20 loss to Oklahoma Saturday night. You just heard from head coach Neil Brown, obviously disappointed and frustrated after that one, Kevin. So let's dive into the numbers here a little bit. OU dominated the stat sheet, but is there one number, one kind of area that sticks out to you when looking at this one? Oh, absolutely. And it's a kind of a mesh of a couple of them. So Oklahoma and WVU had within... 70 seconds of total time of possession tonight. So they both carried the ball for pretty equal amounts of time. Uh, And Oklahoma ran only about six more plays, or exactly six more plays in WVU. But on those plays, Oklahoma averaged 8.3 yards per play to WVU's 4.6 yards per play. So both teams holding out of the ball, basically 50-50 split. But Oklahoma's efficiency was just light years behind beyond West Virginia's, I should say. And it, it, that's not surprising if you watch that game in terms of explosive plays, chunk plays, uh, broken tackles, all that sort of stuff. I mean, Oklahoma was running all over the place, whereas WVU getting some deeper down in distances, finding themselves on third down, fourth down a lot, uh, not nearly as efficient as the Sooners tonight. So that's my that's my key stat. The stat that I would like to go with, uh, and this might be low-hanging fruit to a degree, would be missed tackles. Uh, unfortunately, we don't get that stat it, it kind of live here or right after the game. Uh, West Virginia certainly had a lot of those missed tackles and blown assignments on defense. So that would be the one I would like to look at whenever that stat becomes available. I'm sure that's one thing Neil Brown will talk about or Jordan Leslie will talk about on Monday when we hear from the Mountaineers. But to me, the stat that sticks out, 
and it's maybe the stat within the stat is the score itself. I said coming into this one, WVU can't afford to get into a shootout. I think we've said that at times this year too, and we've seen that kind of play out. You think the games against Oklahoma State and Houston, higher scoring games for the Mountaineers, WVU came out on the wrong side. You knew coming in that Oklahoma had a really good offense, and that if that juggernaut got going, it just likely West Virginia was not going to be able to keep up. WVU under Neil Brown is now 2-21 and when their opponents score 30 or more points, and they are 0-14, the Mountaineers are, on the road when they give up 30 or more points. Now, that's not to say that Neil Brown is a bad coach. That's not to say that West Virginia is going in the wrong direction, because just think about the Iowa football team. Iowa doesn't score <laughs> nearly. It, Iowa, Iowa would love to score as many points as West Virginia is scoring this year offensively. But Iowa is one of the most successful programs really in the Big Ten and in the country. They're very consistent because they can play defense and they can shut you out on that side of the football, whereas West Virginia, at least in this game, was not able to do that. And you kind of knew coming in, I think, that if Oklahoma got going WVU was just not going to be able to keep up. So to me, that's the thing. And we've said that at times this year, I think over the next two games against Cincinnati and Baylor, it'll be about the same thing. If you let teams like that get some offensive confidence, some offensive momentum for whatever momentum is worth, and we could debate that to we're blue <laughs> in the face, if you let them get going, those are when those games that you should not be losing become losses. And then you get reminded... I think of the Oklahoma game a little bit. Totally. And now coming up with Cincinnati Baylor, where bowl eligibility, I believe, is on the line in one or two of those, one or both of those cases. Um, I, I mean, you just, at the end of the season, you can't let be, you can't let teams hang around like that, like you said. I did have one more stat, mm-hmm. uh, one that we've talked about a lot this year, and, and Neil Brown has talked a lot about this year, and that's uh, points off turnovers. And the correlation uh, you have between winning that stat and winning games. Interestingly enough, WVU with two turnovers, seven points off those turnovers. Oklahoma did not score any points off their one turnover tonight. So kind of, I mean, we talked about that stat a lot this year, uh, whether it be me and you or, or me and Nick. And uh, and tonight was a one instance where that's not necessarily the case. So part of that is the the timing of those turnovers. Obviously yeah. West Virginia's lone turnover of the game was a Nico Markiel interception in garbage time yeah. where obviously Oklahoma is not trying to score at that point. The one turnover that West Virginia forced that they did not score off of one of those turning points. That could have been the first yeah. green mortgage turning point of the game. Uh, to me, that that was not the turning point just because of what happened later mm-hmm. when West Virginia is unable to, to really just get it in the end zone after being on the one-yard line. But that's one where Oklahoma muffs a punt. West Virginia takes over in Oklahoma territory and, and, and can't get anything done. But certainly, to, to your credit and to Neil Brown's point that he's been making as well, normally, normally that turnover margin the points off turnovers has been key for WVU at times this year yeah it it, overall I mean if you win the turnover battle you win games if you win those points battles you typically win games but I mean if you run as few plays as West Virginia did in the middle third of that game there's just not as many opportunities to turn the ball over I guess I mean five drives that included three punts a three and out or a turnover on downs and a missed field goal I mean 
just not a whole lot of opportunities there. Yeah, so West Virginia Falls to 6-4 and four on the year, 4-3 and three in Big 12 play, so likely the Mountaineers out of the Big 12 title race unless things get really wonky here in the final couple weeks of the regular season. Those final weeks of the regular season do include a home game against Cincinnati on Saturday, November 18th. That is a senior day for the Mountaineers, as well as the uh, enshrinement or, or the immortalization, I guess West Virginia, is, is the, that's the word they're using, of Don Nealon onto the facade there, the Diversified Energy Terrace at Milan Pushkar Stadium. So certainly, uh, if you have a ticket or if you don't have a ticket yet, get one to see Don Nealon be uh, immortalized there at Milan Pushkar Stadium on Saturday. And then the, and the regular season ends at Baylor the following weekend. That could be an interesting game, depending on what happens with Dave Aranda's crew here over the over the next week or so. Uh, but obviously, West Virginia Bowl eligible, so these last two weeks really important to find out what type of bowl game, when your bowl game is going to be there uh, come come late December. Yeah, we heard this week uh, players, coaches talking about, you know, priority A is the Big 12 title. That's looking like less and less of an opportunity now. But once you hit that bowl eligibility mark, you still got games to play. It's about climbing that bowl ladder. Better bowl means better perks, more handouts, better, you know, week experience maybe. Um, obviously not the first thing that players and coaches are thinking for, uh, thinking of, but uh, it's something that could be used as motivation here in, in the last couple of weeks. And one of the other things we kind of wrap up here as we've recapped the Oklahoma loss uh, that, that West Virginia has been using as motivation this year is the number 14. That's where WVU is picked to finish in the Big 12 Conference. If my math is correct, I believe West Virginia, as of this evening, can finish no lower than a tie for 10th. And really, it would be outright, I guess, ninth place in the Big 12 Conference because that would be a tie with TCU, theoretically, and, and WVU's already beaten the Horned Frogs, as we know. So I believe no no lower than ninth or tenth place there in the Big 12. Certainly not where West Virginia wants to be. They want to be higher than that, and, and they can be if they take care of business here over the last two weeks. One quick note here, Cincinnati did pick up its first Big 12 win and it's as its tenure of the Big 12 gets underway. So a little bit of momentum there for the Bearcats. But I think that's going to do it here for Kevin Redfern and myself here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Make sure to stay with us throughout the week as we continue to report on the Mountaineers as they gear up for that senior day battle with the Bearcats. A kickoff time will be announced for that game uh, either later this evening, Saturday night, or sometime on Sunday as well. And also, speaking of Sunday, the Mountaineer men's soccer team and the Mountain State Derby down in Huntington, West Virginia. That's a big one. The Sunbelt Conference Tournament Championship title on the line and likely a top four seed in the NCAA tournament is on the line in that one as well. So it's a huge game, not only for the state, but in the college soccer landscape as well. So we'll be uh, obviously keeping everyone up to date on that. GoldenBlueNation.com, the place to find all that information on the Mountaineers. So for Kevin Redfern, I'm Ryan Decker. This has been another edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Golden Blue Nation.